Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Best place to be is at the very end, watching all of them come out. It really is. You see the mix of looks on their faces of like, you know, and it's fun. Uh, it is October 27, 2019. Um, it is the last opportunity I have to preach in the capacity of youth pastor. <laughs> It is going to be a good day. It was 16 years ago, New Year's Eve, that my family and I came over the pass and came down into Seattle. And just as we crested over through Bellevue and we were coming through, we started seeing the fireworks that were going off around us. It was New Year's Eve, you know. And and so the early fireworks were shooting off around us. And the kids were looking out the windows. And I said, we're here. We're we're in Seattle. We're almost there. We've almost arrived. And, And they said, What's with the fireworks? And I said, they know we're coming. (laughs) The younger ones were like, wow. And Aiden was like, whatever, Dad. And then, then when New Year's Day, when the the ball finally dropped and it went off, I was like, come on out. They're welcoming us. New beginnings and old ones. They had come to a pass. Old things were gone. And new beginnings had started 16 years ago and this, on New Year's Eve of this year. It's 20 years ago, November 23rd, 1999. I was, it was two days before Thanksgiving, and I was uh, working in a factory, preparing uh, as a student at Grace Bible College. I was working full-time in a factory, and, and I'd been there for about a month or two, I think. Not very long at all. I hadn't acquired any vacation time or anything. When uh, there was a phone call on the line, and it was for me, and my, my boss came over to me, and he said, it's your wife, it sounds like it's an emergency, you better take this call. And, um, you know, in a factory, when the, when the production stops on a line, that's a pretty big deal. So they don't let, And I went to the phone, and I said, honey, and, and she was crying, and she said, Tommy died. That was her brother. He was a year older than me at the time. What happened? And we didn't know. We just knew that she'd lost her brother 20 years ago. I was asked to, uh, by my mother-in-law at the memorial service, at one of the memorial services that was in Wisconsin, if I would present the devotional. And I hadn't yet graduated. I, didn't, I hadn't gone through ordination. And, but I thought, yeah, I, I, I'd really like to do this as difficult as it was going to be. I'd like to do this. And, and the passage that I selected for that memorial is the same passage that Pastor Jim and I were talking about. What's next on the I am statements? And he said it was this one. And I looked at it and I smiled. I said, perfect. There's no such thing as coincidence. There's no such thing. So we got that call and I presented the devotional. And as I picked this passage, I looked at the two sisters. There was Bobby, Candace's oldest sister. She was busy hurrying around, making sure that everything was attended to and everyone, everything was going smoothly. And then there was Candace mourning her loss with the family and friends and spending time and talking with them. Both sisters doing their mourning in their way. The Martha and the Mary. One relational and and one task-oriented in getting things done. And this was the last time I shared my thoughts on this passage. 
And God speaks to us in his word, through his word, and wants to guide and direct us in beautiful ways. And there is no such thing as coincidence. So I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And we will start reading verses 1 through 15. Now, this is a very lengthy passage, and I want to make sure, I will be leaving pieces out of it. I want to make sure that we address some of the things here. Verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the feet of the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's not. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there. And yet you're going back there. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. To get a little context of what's happening at this point in time, we have to, we have to think about a couple other situations in which Jesus encountered Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. What we're looking at right here in John 11 happens after uh, the time where Martha invites Jesus into the home and he dines with Martha and Mary. When, you know the story, when Martha's doing all the work in the kitchen and Mary is sitting at his feet and Martha says, Lord, you know, I'm doing all of the work. Tell my sister to get in here and help me. It's a very interesting story because Jesus is really, really destroying some cultural norms here. He's a rabbi eating in a home of women and they're alone, unmarried. This is a big deal that he's doing this. And there's another cultural norm that happens when he tells Martha, if you knew what was really important, you'd be sitting here too. You'd be joining your sister Mary. The language describing Mary sitting at Jesus' feet is really clear to the reader of the first century that this was a, a rabbi-discipleship relationship. He was, he was calling her in, just as the Apostle Paul has said. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. It's a big deal. This comes after Luke 16, 19 through 31. It's a parable of Lazarus and the rich man. The only time in a parable where Jesus names the character. The rich man isn't named. We don't know who he is, but we know the person of Lazarus was going through life ill, sick. No one would help him. Even the, even the dogs would come and lick him. No one would help this man, and he died. The rich man, however, we don't know their name, his name. Early church fathers, however, 
and we don't know if we don't know if this is the case, but early church fathers reported that they think this person was Simon the Pharisee. Simon the Pharisee, the same Simon who invited Jesus to dinner in Luke 7:36 through 50. The same Simon who neglected his responsibilities as a good host. He didn't wash Jesus' feet when he came in to visit. He didn't greet Jesus with a kiss. He didn't anoint him with oil. He rebuked Jesus when this woman came in and wept at Jesus' feet and kissed his feet and dried his feet with her hair and anointed him with oil. And John says right here in John 11, this Mary is the same woman who did that at Simon's house. So we're seeing, uh, we're seeing this story really ties together quite a few things from outside of John's gospel. She's the same woman the Apostle John identifies as, as Mary, who Luke tells us sat at his feet as a disciple. Let's continue reading in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. There we go again. We got him again. Martha went to do something. Mary stayed home and was relational. They're doing things just in their way. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will Anastasia. That's where we get the, the, the girl's name, Anastasia. Your, your, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I thought it was a really fantastic idea. Uh, and I don't remember who had it, if it was Pastor Jim or Pastor Gary or Susie. I don't remember who had the idea to, to, to go through the, seri- the I Am series. I think oh, it was just fantastic. Um, and as I've been listening to the sermons over the past couple weeks, Pastor Jim has done this, Pastor Gary's done this, Pastor Jeremy, who was with us, did this. And I was, I was listening and I just... I listen to sermons differently than you do, okay? It was our homile oh, I cursed that homiletics class that taught us to listen differently than, than, than how you normally would. I was hearing these words, and I, and I kind of baited you. I did it to you earlier. It is. It is October 27th. It is my last time to preach this sermon here in the capacity of youth pastor. It is this day. It is that. It is this. It is this. I heard it is a lot. And and I was thinking, I'm doing it too. It is contrasted with I am. It is is circumstantial. I am is relational. relational. It is Martha running around getting the it's done. I am is Mary being with people and loving and being relational. Jesus is calling not only to have 
to give us something, and it is, it is eternal life. Jesus is calling for us to be I am to be, to become something. You and me, new creations. I am the way which God identified himself. Remember, we didn't identify God this way. He revealed himself to Moses himself as who he was. I am. Not, I did. I do. I am. I am the God who moves all things to goodness and beauty. And then through Jesus, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am calling you to me. I am redemption. And I am redemption that was revealed. And I am redemption through whom it is received. I am Jesus. I, I have this great book. It's a fun book. It's, a, it's, it's fiction. It's written by uh, a philosopher named Peter Kreeft. It's called Socrates Meets Jesus. And the, presence, the, the, the uh, pretext of the book is that um, Socrates awakes from after, what was it, his, what, what he, was it his, hemlock, hemlock. When he drank the hemlock or ate the hemlock and died, he awakens on the campus of a Christian liberal arts college. I told you it was fiction. And it's all brand new to him, and he's just really curious about this, this new faith, this Christianity. And so he asks students questions. And there's a whole spectrum of different people with whom he's encountering and interacting in a classroom setting. There's, there's progressive Christians and conservative Christians and liberal Christians and uh, professors and students. There's people who... who uh, trust God's word. There's people who don't trust God's word. He's got the whole gamut of Christian, Christendom in this in this classroom where he's with them. And as Socrates goes through, I just I'm going to quickly want to tell you he he asks some questions about how, how where do you get your information about your faith? And and they said from this book. He said that's fantastic. How many of you have read the book? And they oh well. Well, not all of it. And he's in and he, and so, and Socratic method. Well, then how is it that you can base your faith in your life off of something you haven't read? And one of the students said something like, well, we have preachers who teach us about it and tell us about it. He says, well, how do you know that they're correct? Fantastic. So I want to read a brief excerpt. And this is Socrates speaking. It's toward the tail end. And he says, I found in your scriptures something I found nowhere else and never even conceived the true name of God, the name that expresses his own essential being, what he is in himself. At least that seems to be what he said when he spoke to Moses from the burning bush and called himself not only the relative name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the, also the absolute name. I am who I am. That name seemed absolutely special, Socrates said. All the religions I've ever known have been man's search for God. This one seems to be the story of God's search for man. That's why I think the puzzle about how the God who inhabits eternity can search in the wilderness of time is an important one. If he had not done so, I do not see how we could ever have known who he is. And one of his critics responds, or one of his people in the conversation, Why do you think no one else besides Moses could ever have come up with this notion of God? 
Socrates, did you not read the scriptures? Moses did not come up with it. It was not Moses' idea. Moses came to it. It was God's idea. I am. Jesus says, I am. This isn't our idea. This is God's idea. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks, do you believe this? I am the God of being who moves all things to goodness and beauty. I am the God of life and restoration and renewal. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, she fell at his feet. There she is taking that discipleship posture again. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. As we all know, the shortest verse in all of the Bible, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man? He, I'm sorry, could he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You've probably wondered and you've probably heard people speak on this. Why did Jesus weep? If Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead, why did Jesus weep? I I don't have the answer for that. I I wish I did. I'm curious about it myself. Uh, We just speculate. Was it the sorrow of his sisters, of Lazarus' sisters? Was it that sorrow that made him weep, that he he joined them in their sorrow? All of his humanity coming alive in in the sadness and the lamentation of the sisters. Was it the reality of death? And how sin causes death. Was it his human experience? Was it because Lazarus died what was a preventable death? That no one cared for Lazarus and just let him die. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wouldn't you just love to have been there? Um, I have no control over my volume here, so it might... Um, Lazarus, come forth! No. It's an option. Could have happened. You think? Can you imagine Lazarus refusing Jesus? 
Can you? I bet you actually can. I looked at this and I looked at myself in my spiritual mirror and I said, oh yeah, I can see this happening. I can see no being the response. Count of three, you're all going to say your first name. Ready? You got to help me here. One, two, three. Come forth from the sin that so easily entangles you. Come forth from your hatred. Come forth from your racism, your sexism, your bigotry, from gossip, slander, from using Facebook and social media in the tabloid mentality that is destroying us as a people. Come forth from your politic which shapes your religion and into the faith that Jesus has defined and invited you. Kevin. Come forth from whatever it is that you have told Jesus no. What is it that you have been saying no to Jesus for? You're called into redemption. You're called to stand back up again and have resurrection from your sin. Yes, absolutely, I do not want to metaphorize this and say that Jesus was just speaking about a changed life. He is absolutely speaking about eternal life and the resurrection of the dead and and that we will find in him when we trust God and God alone for our salvation through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But that's not the end. There's more. We are called into redemption. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation. I saw this happen at my son's church in Chicago. It was so powerful. Uh, I learned, Aiden was telling me, okay, every Sunday we take communion. It's, uh, every Sunday there's communion up there. And the way that they do communion, it was a differently laid out room. They had uh, the, the way that seats and everything were. It was accessible to come up to the front. The communion table was actually over here to the side. And they had all of the elements for communion on the table. And while the worship, while there was music being played and everyone was singing and enjoying the worship, you came up at any time and you would be able to take the elements of communion. And we'd see, we'd see couples go up t- together and take communion. You'd see individuals. And as, as we were there and I was watching, I was just taking in the whole, the whole experience. I was watching this one man who was a little bit in front of us to the left. And he, he was like, well, I got to turn around and face the other way because I want you to see what I saw. Okay. So he, he was, can you all see this? Okay. He, he was up there and he was like going, And he walks over to this other guy who's standing there like this. And they start talking. And they're talking for a while and talking, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally distracted. I'm watching, trying to sing, wanting to be present in the worship, and what is going on? And then, and then they both walked over to the table together, and they served each other communion. And I asked my son afterward, what was, what was that all about? He said, wasn't that great, Dad? Wasn't that cool? I said, I suppose. What happened? He said, those two had had a falling out. 
in church. They argued over something that was going on in the worship service that they didn't like each other. They were on like a committee or something and they disagreed. And it led to a falling out between them. They wouldn't talk to each other. And they realized what Paul had said. If there's a grievance between you and a brother before you take communion, work it out. Fix it. It was like, that was so beautiful. What are you saying no to that gets in the way of your walk with Jesus and your walk with your brothers and sisters? Jesus says, I want to redeem your broken relationships. I wish to resurrect your lifeless marriage. I wish to breathe life and goodness into you and through you to everyone around you. I wish to be the light that shines out of you in this broken world. Where do you refuse to follow God? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way. Some of my students might recognize this a little bit. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who believes in Jesus and Jesus alone for forgiveness receives salvation and eternal life. And life that's eternal begins the moment we accept Christ as our Savior and lasts forever. It's not life that we get eternal. It's now. If you have, you have eternal life, if you've placed your trust in Jesus, and we are each being called to come forth into resurrection and into redemption. I've been called. I was called to Berean 16, almost 16 years ago. And I'm answering another call. I'm being called again. I am being called again. It is my last Sunday here. Nothing about the is can take away the I amness that I have experienced with you, my church family, for 16 years. I am moved by the beauty and the challenges as we slog through redemption together. As a family. I am being called to a new family. I am being called into a new ministry. I am going to be the pastor of student ministries at a church in the Seattle area. Candace and I, we got the great news that everything went through and we'll be signing on our house in Kingston. Uh, November 1st, I believe, is when we're going to be able to sign. And my new responsibilities, I've gained uh, a, a larger scope. I've got sixth grade now through college, and they're asking me to help develop a college ministry for the church. It is my last Sunday. I am so thankful for the last 16 years, and I am so pleased to have been a part of this family. And I also look forward to hearing about the great things that are going to happen here. I'm looking forward to the great stories of the next youth pastor and the next senior pastor and the next chapter of Berean's story. I am looking forward to how the light is going to shine differently, but still gloriously through this church and this community. If we start thinking I am and not it is.
uh, like to close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. I thank you so much for this time that we could open your word and let it carve into our hearts and our spirits and our mind. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection that is only found in you and the redemption that only comes through your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for, I thank you that you are the God of of redemption, the God of reconciliation, and the God of renewal. And I just pray, Lord, that as, uh, as our paths of Berean and myself and my family uh, part ways in local ministry that we remember that we are never parting ways as members of the body of Christ and as family members through the Holy Spirit. For all you give us, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in your son's name. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand again as we sing Because He Lives. So we'd like to uh, make sure you all know that after the morning service today, we're going to have a reception right here in our new uh, fireplace commons area. We have cookies and donuts and uh, beverages for you, and we want you to come. We'll just spend a little time to just uh, thank Kevin and uh, say goodbye to him. We know you want to do that as, uh, as individuals, as families, and so we invite you to do that. We'll also be receiving, as is our tradition here, a uh, special love offering for the Lane family to just express our gratitude and thanks uh, to them for the years of ministry and being part of our church family and pouring their lives into our young people. And so uh, we will be doing that right after we have this time here. And your bulletin says the presentation for Kevin, but we want to, this is the presentation of Kevin. Yeah, your gifts and your love gifts will be our gifts to him. But I'd like to ask Kevin to come forward. And uh, Candace, could you come and join Kevin uh, up here this morning? There you are. Come on up here. And uh, we'd like to have a, just coming up, we're going to have a word of dedication prayer for you too. And uh, thank you so much. You know, uh, in the years I've been here, Kevin, 16 years, and I think Pastor Tom was here. 15 plus years as well. So in the last two years, uh, 30 years, we've had two youth pastors, and uh, which is really remarkable uh, in, in uh, church ministry today. And so uh, we know that as we uh, plan the next uh, youth pastor uh, plans, what we got going on back there? Got some pictures of uh, youth ministry. Let's stand on the way back. Let me. Kevin and I are always in the way of everybody whenever we're up here. <laughs> And I'll uh, share some of the uh, pictures of some of the ministry of uh, Kevin and Candace with our young people. And um, I would like to invite, uh, hey, Kevin, do you guys mind just, you, you brought four kids here with you. You only, you only got one left here. Oh, one one left here, the important one. Uh, <laughs> but would you mind just sharing with everybody what your kids are up to? You know, it's been, we haven't sure. seen some of them for a while. Just, what, go for a well, here, is this, which one am I going to go with? Either one. Am I on? Good. Yeah, oh, um, uh, so Aiden and his wife are in Maine. He's a welder. He's working on bridges and train structure. Uh, train structures. His company is uh, one of three that makes everything east of the Mississippi. Um, he's been doing that for a little over a year. Our granddaughter Esme is one year old, and we're going to go visit her on the 31st. We're going to go see them, uh, and it's going to be great. We're all going to be together because Michaela is going to come in from Minneapolis, where she's. She's going to school, and she's uh, working at a veterinary clinic. She loves animals. She's our, our animal whisperer, and she's spending time doing that. Saren is wrapping up her senior year at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And I guess the girls just got together this weekend because it was tomorrow is Saren's birthday. So, oh. so Michaela headed down to Chicago from Minneapolis, and they spent time together. And Roar is going to be going to school uh, coming up. And uh, he's going to be moving over to Kingston with us, and he's working uh, a lot over at Discount Tire and doing really well. 
So that's what they're doing. Good. All right, good. Well, we've enjoyed having their family with us and being part of our church family. And I'm going to ask um, Pastor Gary if he would come up. And I'm going to ask Kyle Herr, who is vice chairman of our elder board, on behalf of the elder board. And we just want to have just a word of prayer, of thanksgiving for uh, Kevin and Candace. Kevin, we are going to miss you. Candace, we're going to miss you from our church family. I'm going to miss Kevin's infectious laugh in the office. I can hear it wherever I am. And uh, we just appreciate the, the joy of the Lord that he brings uh, to his ministry, he and Candace. And we just want to thank you for that. And we thank the Lord for you guys. We want to pray, pray, pray God's blessing on you as you continue to serve. To, to affect lives, to impact lives for our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask Kyle first and then Gary to pray. And then they, if you guys just be seated here because I want to invite them to come out with me afterwards so you be sure and visit with them and tell them thanks and come and share a time of fellowship with us. Kyle? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this wonderful couple. Lord, I just think about the many students that they've impacted. Lord, that uh, you've let them use them to... Uh, share the gospel, to lead students to the Lord, to help them grow in their faith. Lord, I think of the marriage, marriages that he's performed and uh, the marriage counseling and the teaching that he's provided. Lord, we just uh, pray that you'll just be with them as they are called to the new ministry. Lord, we're just so thankful that they found the house, that everything's going good there, and we just... Lord, we're going to miss him. In Christ's name. God, you have been so faithful to our church through Kevin and Candace and their family. I am grateful for him as a friend and as a co-worker in Christ. We are grateful for the ways in which uh, small and, and big ways they have impacted our lives. God, we know that you have been faithful to us through them and that you will continue to be faithful to our congregation and you will continue to be faithful to Kevin in his coming, upcoming ministry. We're confident of the good work that he will do and we thank you and praise you for your goodness in all things. Bless him now, bless them now as they move on to this next chapter. We ask that you will give him strength and courage to continue walking with you and proclaiming your name faithfully with boldness and courage where you take them. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So before, this, before you guys sit down, Kyle and Gary, but if you're here today and you were part of Kevin's youth group, junior high or senior high, even if it goes way back 16 years, or one of our youth sponsors or leaders, would you would you please stand? Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, you can just see this is just some of them. Uh, the rest are all over the country, all over the world, and uh, we just know that your impact has been just so wonderful for these lives. And we pray God's we do pray God's blessing on your brother and Kevin as you continue to serve him. Thank you so much. And thank you guys to sit down. Thank you. At this time, we're going to invite our ushers forward. And the offering today is just our, just our expression of love. That's what we call it, a love offering and thanksgiving. And I give you an opportunity to share that uh, generosity with uh, this dear family as we pray God's blessing on them as they continue to serve and to uh, be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know there have been many, many lives. So just think of the lives all over the place. 
that are that are that have been impacted by Kevin and Candace's ministry, and that continues, 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 continues. And we thank God that's going to continue. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We do ask your blessing on Kevin and Candace, and Lord, we uh, just we just thank you for uh, their lives, their faithfulness. Uh, his the, the ministry poured into young people here, as we've seen, even those here that stand, just a fraction of those around the country, around our community, around the world, who have been impacted by his uh, teaching, his life, and uh, he and Candace, their marriage, their example of a godly marriage uh, to these uh, young people, Lord. <clears throat> and so we just uh, lift them up to you. We, we, we are just a thankful people. And we know, Lord, you will provide a leadership for our youth ministry as we continue to look forward to the future. We continue to invest in the lives of young people, not only to invest in their lives, but to have the privilege of seeing them invest back in ministry and service and love and compassion, uh, this church family and around this community. And so we ask your blessing on this offering. We give it with our heartfelt thanks and our joy in having our paths have crossed and have shared together these last uh, over 15 years, Father. We truly are thankful, and we give this gift to you now uh, for the lanes, and to use it, Lord, in their lives. We pray this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. And I'd like to ask all of you to stand. And um, I'm going to dismiss Kevin and Candace uh, first uh, to go out to the narthex, the commons, and uh, you come and uh, share your time uh, to share some time with them. Lord, Lord bless you. God bless you, Kevin. Don't leave yet. Okay, Lord, Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. And the Lord give you peace. God bless you. God bless you, Kevin and Candace. And we look forward to continuing to share in our lives together in ministry. God bless you. Thanks. Amen.